We're so glad you've joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story with us at pastor at relevant316.com. If you would also like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at relevant316.com. There you can select a giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone shouts, Amen. So, I have this person who's in my life. You guys may know her. Her name is Rebecca Galloway. Rebecca is one of those creative types of people who likes to, like, you know, take something. She's, she's Miss Pinterest. Okay, I try. Have you ever, how many of y'all like Pinterest? Do you know what's better than Pinterest? Pinterestfails.com. That's where I live. I've tried a Pinterest pro- project. It's like, oh my goodness, it did not turn out the way that the picture looked like. But Rebecca will take something and, and literally transform it. She, I'll go to my office and I'll see all this debris and, and trash and, and, and cardboard boxes and wood and, and tires just in the, in the area. I'm like, what is this stuff? She's like, oh, I have this great idea. She'll pull out a piece of paper like, look at this. And I'm going to turn a circle. All I need is some duct tape. And there's always this look that she has in her eyes when, the, when she has an idea. I know something is up. I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen right now? Then Gino Sapiano shows up. In his boots, with a hammer, and other tools ready to destroy stuff. I'm like, Gino, what are you doing? You'll say something to me in German. I'm like, okay, you just cussed me out. I know he just cussed me out. <laughs> And they get to work, and, and, and a day or two will pass by, and I'll go, and I'll see what they're doing. I'm like, what is this? It's like, trust the process. I'm doing something. It's going to be amazing. And I'm like, what is this for? It's for the stage. And I'm like, really? We, we share the space. What's other church going to say about the trash on their stage? Like, trust the process. And then we're going to put some lights on it, and it's going to be like going up and vertical, going upwards. I'm like... Trust the process. She takes what I'll see as trash and transforms it to something beautiful. She takes something that someone threw away and says, we can use that. All we have to do is sand it down, polish it, get some um, uh, covering, whatever they call that stuff. I'm not artsy, farty, one bit. Um, But when I see the finished product, I'm like, how much money did you spend on this? Like, oh, it was only $23.23. Trust the process. She's building something. She's got an idea. She's got something that she sees in, uh, later on that's going to come out looking good. I have another artist friend, Bobby Alvarado. Uh, sometimes he'll be painting something and, and it'll just look like just splotches of paint on a canvas. And, and, you're, and some of you all have seen this before, right? And you're looking like, what is that? And at the end, he flips the canvas over and it's like, oh my gosh, it's a picture of Jesus on the cross. So beautiful. You've got to trust the process. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in the process right now. I'm in the process right now. Turn to your other neighbor and say, he's not finished with me yet. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how God selects people to be part of his family? Anybody? 
I'm starting a trend where pastors are honest. There's sometimes where I'll look at people, I'm like, oh my God. Are you serious right now, Jesus? Like, couldn't you have picked someone better? Like, you know, someone who's a little bit like, you know, on the way. Like, this person is like, and God's like, trust the process. Trust the process. I mean, I, I look at some of the characters in the Bible. Have you ever really studied the characters in the Bible? There's only like one person in the Bible where you don't see the underbelly of their life. And that's, that's Joseph. Everyone else has got issues. Issues. Two-thirds of the New Testament is written by a murderer. Like, like we would not allow him to be an usher at our church. Like what? How many? You, you're a murderer? Okay. You're going to be in the prison ministry. Like we want you to, we want you to go live there and start a ministry. Okay. The, the man after God's own heart is a cheating, murdering adulterer. I mean, you look at these people in the Bible. You, you look at the disciples, the guys that Jesus trusted the church with. Matthew, a tax collector. Peter, Peter cussed. That's my Bible verse for the whole series right there. The one says, on this rock, I'll build my church. You look at these people like, how did he pick? What was your selection process? God, you need to have an HR. Someone who can like, you know, go through the paperwork, do the resumes, check references before you save people, Jesus. Run a credit check on some of these people. They show up like, yeah, I'll give offering, I'll tithe. And like, oh, no, they missed payments. <laughs> if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> to be honest with you, I look at my life sometimes. I'm like, God, how did you, how did you save me? Like, literally, like, like, everybody knows their own story. You know, you know the stuff that you never share with anybody, right? You know, people only know part of the truth. You get the Instagram testimony. It's like, you know, I had a, I had a dark past, you know. There was, there was a season in my life where, you know, things got a little rocky. You know, like I was down, bottom of the barrel, and that's where you leave it. But if we were to put it in HD and color, folks would be like, oh, my God. Can you go to the other church down the street? <laughs> I look at my own life and I'm like, God, how did you save me? I just imagine, I have a, I have a sanctified imagination. I just imagine the angels, they're like worshiping God, singing, you know, playing the harp and all that kind of stuff. And, and, then, and then God's like, I'm going to save Jonathan Bolima. And the angels just stop singing like, huh, what? Are you, serious? Are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? I don't think he's, he's beyond redemption, Lord. And God's like, hold my beer. <laughs> That's how I got saved, seriously, like, you know. God's like, watch this. I'll take someone who's in the trash, in the filth of sin, and I'll grab them, I'll pull them up, whether they know of me or not, and I'll teach them my ways. I'll sand down the rough patches. I'll polish them up. You got to trust the process. Are y'all with me this morning? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the, the creator. He's the one who, 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 who promises that, that he'll take us as we are, 
put us through the fire and then bring us out like purified gold. But now we have to be in the middle of it. We have to be in the middle of it. Y'all with me this morning? Salvation, the whole story of God's redemption and salvation of our life is sort of like a refinishing work. It is a retrofitting. Some of you who've been in construction or have flipped houses and and you find a house that's like completely under under market value and you wonder why is it going for $40,000 in a place where houses are an average of half a million dollars and you go and see the place like, oh my gosh. The people who foreclosed on this place completely destroyed this place. But then an investor will see something and say, you know what? We can flip this thing. All we have to do is bring in a painter, bring in someone who's going to redo the floor, someone who's going to redo the walls. If we knock this place out, we're going to open up the living room. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they start doing some work. And and maybe sometimes the outside still looks like the 1940s build. But when you walk in, you're like, oh, my goodness, look at the wood floors. Look at the granite countertops because God always changes people from the inside out. He's retrofitting you from the inside out. Are you guys with me this morning? Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses in, in, in scripture, puts it this way. It says, and I'm sure of this. Say, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work, someone say it's a good work. It may not look good right now, but it's a good work. We'll bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He who began a good work, in some versions say, is faithful to complete. Who's faithful? He is. Because you're faithless. You're inconsistent. I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I rhyme fast, sometimes I rhyme slow. Sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. I can go all day. I'm inconsistent, but God is faithful. And he is not a God who starts a project and then says, you know what? We ran out of budget. We'll come back to it. He's not a God who starts something like your husband did in the garage 15 years ago when you first got married. And it's still sitting there and you're like wanting him to move it out. Cause so you can park the car in, you know what I'm talking about? God does not abandon projects. He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of salvation. I want you to understand that God is the one who initiates. God is the one who creates the momentum and maintains the momentum. God is the one who completes it. And God is the one who sets the due date of completion. Rebecca's building something in my office and I'm like, when are you going to be done with this trash? When's it going to be like, when are you going to clean up the debris? And when am I going to have my office back? It's going to be a few days. There's always like a completion date, right? And then the date comes, you're like, um, it's still here. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? God started the work. God maintains the momentum. God completes the work. And he also has a due date. He says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. There's a day when the work, the construction work that he started in your life is going to be done. 
Right now, you're just in the middle of it. You want to know why you can't get along with the person that you came to church with this morning? You want to know why you got into a fight? <laughs> Driving to church? Come on, come on. I'm talking to the Henry family right now. <laughs> why can't you get the kids ready in time? We're going to be late all over again. We're always late. It's always your fault. Woman? We should just give Jason that look. And Jason just shuts up. Takes the bass out of his voice. Okay, honey. <laughs> then you walk in the church looking all, welcome home. Yes, everything is perfect. In the back of your head, you're like, why? Because you're in the middle of it. You're in the middle of it. Y'all getting this? He completes his job. In his time at the day of Jesus. I want you to, to understand this, that, 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 that when God initiates a work and, and you're in this middle, this middle passage of, of, your, of your walk with Christ, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that you are passive in it. It doesn't mean that you're passive and you just kind of sit there and say, God's working on me. <laughs> Do you guys remember when you first got saved? When God first started working in your life? When you used to cry during praise and worship? At the silliest songs. Shine, Jesus, shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. <laughs> I just want Jesus to shine on me. And people who've been in the church for a long time are looking at you like, uh, you'll get through this. You know, you hear a verse and like, you know, you're like, did you hear what he said this morning? For God so loved the world. Uh, <laughs> ugly cry that you know that real like and the other christians are like uh yeah that's a very popular verse because you're new it's like so meaningful to you right but then you kind of mature a little bit you start knowing other verses like you know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and you know people come around you and they're like oh i'm having such a bad week and you're like no weapon formed against me shall prosper Like you know some things you can share and pour into other people's lives and all that kind of stuff. And, and now it becomes so familiar that it's no longer like making an impact. And then like a few months and years go by. And now it's kind of like you're in this place where your walk with Christ is stagnant. And you're like, well, he began a good work in me. He'll complete it. Let me tell you something. The, the Christian experience in the Bible is, is, is described as a walk. Right? Walk this way talk this way. Come on now. Y'all need to get saved. I mean, you know. But, but in Luke chapter 24, there's a story of these two disciples that are walking with Jesus. And in the story, they don't recognize that it's Jesus that they're walking with, but, but Jesus starts, starts explaining to them everything from the law and the prophets that was about him, showing, him, showing them that, that everything that's been written in Scripture has always been and always will be about Jesus, right? And as they're walking there, their hearts are completely being moved. They're like, we've never heard it this way. This is amazing. And as they walk further... Jesus, the text says Jesus made it as if he would go further. Y'all remember that passage, right? Jesus made, because Jesus is cool, man. Jesus is cool. Jesus is like George Jefferson. They're they're like, okay, he's leaving us, he's leaving us. And, And they had to say from their hearts, out of their mouth, abide with us. 
in your walk, it may feel as if Jesus is leaving you behind, but he wants you to actively say, abide with me. He says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. That's the part where you have to be active. When you feel as if you're in that stagnant place, when it no longer moves you, when it no longer gives you an emotional response to what he's done, that's the moment you have to get on your knees and say, God, I feel as if you're moving on without me, but I need you to abide in my house, be in my relationship, be in my marriage, be in my business, be in my existence. I need you right here and right now. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. He initiates it, he maintains the momentum, but you also have to be seeking. You guys with me? You have to be seeking. He has his due date. The work of God is three phases. The beginning, the middle, and the completion, or the end. The question sometimes is, when did God begin this work? Now, now, every one of here, you know, especially when you get around these Calvary Chapel guys, these Assemblies of God guys, okay, pretty much every Christian that believes that God, you know, you know, the altar call, like, you know, I walk down the altar, Jason Henry will tell you, September 1st, 2002. Is that the actual date? That's the date, see? Yeah. I've got a good memory sometimes when I'm under the anointing only. <laughs> September 1st, 2002. I smoked weed. I sold weed. I was a gangbanger in Compton. (laughs) Telling you his testimony. (laughs) I was snorting cocaine. I'm embellishing a little bit. But on that day, it was crack. Okay. I was trying to put you in the suburbs, but you're in the hood, so... We have these dates that we say that this is when God called me. This is when God initiated and began this work. We have our dates. And the thing about Scripture is that Scripture is very clear. Go to Ephesians chapter, chapter 1 real quick. I want to show you this. This is a, a beautiful, beautiful truth about how God has been at work in your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, he says this. Even, everyone say Even. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He initiated, he thought about it, he dreamt it up, he put it into motion before he said, let there be light. Before he said, let us create man in our own image. Before he created sun, moon, stars, universes, galaxies, God was thinking about you. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you to be hidden in Christ. I wish there was a black man on an organ right now, we can preach right now. Before, all, before your parents met, before your grandparents emigrated from, from Russia to, to Coney, before any of those things happened, God was thinking about you. It says that he foreknew you. And if you go to the scriptures and look at how, how the word knew and, and knowing and all that kind of stuff is used, it says it's an intimate love. He set an intimate love on your life before the backstory. 
Oh, y'all, y'all ain't getting this. Before you had a backstory, Holly, God had already written your story. Before you, you made some mistakes and before your, some mistakes were, were done to you, before, before the person molested you, before those that you trusted uh, completely broke your, your trust, before you were broken, before you were marred and ruined by, by the effects of sin, God was loving you, loving you and choosing you in him. Initiated the work before the foundation of the world. He made a choice. He knew that you'd completely screw it up. He knew that you'd completely mess it up. He knew that you'd have challenges. But when he ran the credit check, all he saw was Jesus. When he did the reference check, you were hidden in Christ. He saw the cross covering and the blood covering your sin and washing you blameless I I want to give this for for someone here do you know that when you're saved the devil can't touch you but do you know how he messes with you he messes with you by bringing up memories of your dark past and throwing it in your face this is who you are this is who you are You don't deserve this. If they only knew what you really think about. And God's looking at you like, you're hidden in Christ. I've, I've, I've taken your sins and I remember them no more. I, 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 I used to have this theology where, where we were taught, Joetta, that, that, that God kept a file of all your decisions, all the motives, everything that you thought about, all the things that you did, and on the day of judgment, judgment day is coming, you better mind. And on the day of judgment, God was going to reveal the screen of all the things that you did in your life. And the entire universe is going to look at the story of your life, and then they're going to decide whether or not you deserve to be loved by God. Am I telling the truth or am I making that up? That's what I was taught growing up. But when I look at scripture, it says that God took your backstory and put it into the sea of forgetfulness and threw up a sign on the beach saying, don't go fishing. No fishing allowed here. The devil may remind you of something, and your own conscience may, may try to, 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 to make who you are based on what everyone else has said about you and what you've lied to yourself about. And God's looking at you saying, you're my child. You're the lady in red. You're, 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 you're the beautiful. You're, you're the righteousness of God. You're my beautiful creation. Hidden in Christ. He initiated the work in eternity past. And when you came to a consciousness and into a belief, all of eternity was just like, welcome home. We've already had your name written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Is is this helping someone?
Oh, you cannot give God a golf clap, y'all. Come on. That's, that's good stuff right there. He did all this with you in mind. But then there's this middle part. We're born into the middle part. We get saved in the middle part. We, we, the mess is in the middle. Are y'all with me? The mess is in the middle. And, and the thing about being in the middle is that, is that it's, 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 it's grimy, it's janky. Come on, UrbanDictionary.com. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and, and he, he gives them a parable. I'm going to read you the, uh, the parable. He says these words in Matthew 13, verse 24. He says, he, he put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Are y'all catching that? So the man has planted good seed, and, and, and the seed is now sprouting and is pushed its way through the dirt and, and you're starting to see leaves and, and, and the makings of a little plant. But as the good seed is starting to sprout, along with it comes some weeds. I didn't say weed, y'all San Bernardino people. Like, did, did pastor say weed? Oh, see there's weed in the Bible. So that means it's... Just, just trying to help some people, all right? Verse 27, and the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. Who's done it? An enemy has done this. Why do bad things happen? Why do bad things take place in life? Why are they hurricanes destroying Puerto Rico, St. Thomas? And Why are these things happening? An enemy. An enemy has done this. Are you catching that? An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? Do you want us to go and fix the situation? That's the propensity that we have as human beings. We want to fix things and fix people right now when God is still doing something in process. Do you want us to go and uproot and go replant somewhere else? Verse 29, but he said, no, lest the gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow. What did he say? Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Someone say harvest time. It's always okay in the beginning. Uh, Those of you who who've ever fallen in love and gotten married and been in a relationship for a long time. You remember when the butterfly feelings, you remember when you used to write poetry, (laughs) write songs for your loved one. And I will always love you. Although we go (laughs) to the end of the road still like 
can't let go. It's unnatural. Ooh. And it's good. Like, you know, you've got all those feelings. Like, oh, I'm so in love. And Beyonce comes out with the ring and put a ring on it. You get married. Play the Luther Vandross song and all that kind of stuff. Go to on the honeymoon. Month three. And your wife is like, Negro. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm just talking about my relationship. Can you please put the cap back on the toothpaste? And that becomes the biggest World War III fight. What are you guys fighting over? Toothpaste. I'm not talking about anybody here. Does not happen to the Rudolph family. Nope. Doesn't happen to any, you know. Yeah, see? That's just like, stop, stop, stop. They're in the middle of it. (laughs) What happened to the boys to men? And the thing about it is that you, I like to hang out with old, old people who've been through it, you know, been in marriages for 50 years. And, and, you know, they'll be sitting there just, you know, in their living room and they're like, oh, it was 1968, you know. And they're still, they're holding hands. And you're like, wow, they have the perfect relationship. And then you start asking questions like, yeah. And then we were separated for a while because he cheated. And you're like, you guys went through it? And I, oh yeah, it was bad. It starts good. It looks good. You have kids. And as the kids are growing up, there's this other thing that's also growing. You're concentrating on the kids and you're growing apart. You're, you're concentrating on the career And there's tension here. Being in the middle of it means that there's good seed that's beginning to sprout. But with the good seed, there's this other thing that's taking place. And I want you to know that when you're having that middle passage experience, the middle passage of faith, God began the good work. He's going to complete the good work. You just have to stand still and know that he is God because harvest time is coming. The day is coming. There's a day of completion that will take place. Are you guys following me this morning? He has a plan. The mess always shows up in the middle. You're growing in Christ. You're growing in the Lord. But there's this other thing that just pops up. The job is going good, but this other thing pops up. You're becoming more mature, but then this other thing is also happening. The apostle Paul said that I I know of a man who, who went to the third heaven, speaking of himself. 
who saw the heavenlies and heard things and, and I could boast about all these things and, and talk about all these things that, that, that God showed me. But, but I, I don't need to boast. What I want to boast about is while God was showing me all these good things, there was this thorn in my flesh. There was good seed sprouting. But there was this other thing that was also growing. I want to encourage someone this morning. While you're in the middle of it, trust the one who started it. Trust the one who maintains the momentum. Trust the one that promises to complete you. Trust the one who says in 1 John that when he comes back and when he appears, we shall be just like him. For we shall see him finally for who he truly is. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the middle of it. The business is growing, but I'm still in the middle of it. The marriage is growing, but I'm still in the middle of it. Are y'all with me this morning? Opportunities are springing up, but there's always something that's going to be there. Stand still. Trust the process. Are y'all with me? I, uh, I remember getting baptized. I don't know if this is anyone else's testimony. Getting baptized and, and as I got ready to be baptized, you know, I got baptized as a Christian in the Jordan River. I'm like, this one's going to take. It's the very, the very same waters that Jesus was baptized in. John the Baptist baptized people and I'm like this is going to take I was excited I was like oh. I mean like you know you know when you get like you know spiritual weepy like oh, this is amazing I'm in Israel I'm in the Holy Land finally it was my turn Jordan River is hella cold I mean it's, it's like I'm like it's so cold you know with every inch that you go in the water like And then you get to that moment. Oh. <laughs> the sin got smaller. have fun in church y'all I'm standing there I'm like oh it's my turn and my pastor Pastor Mark looked at me and said son I love you he's like a, a spiritual dad to me he's like son I love you I'm so proud of you he says I'm going to baptize you now in the name of your Lord and Savior Jesus do you love him I'm like I love him I'll serve him with all my heart my soul my strength and he put me in the water came back up. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. I'm like, I'm new. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm looking around at the people. I'm like, yep, I, I like these people. I love them. I'm starting to love people the way he, God loves them. It's amazing. I walk out of the water. I'm like, I have not sinned yet. 
scud, like scud, like you know, I'm like you know, trying like, all right, no impure thoughts, no anger on the inside. I'm just like, oh, this is going good, it's going so good, it's going so good. Three and a half minutes later, oh. done a work in me. He's, he started in all these promises, but yet I still have these thoughts. I still have these struggles. I still have these options. Come on, somebody. Anybody have options? Option A, cuss them out. Option two, punch them in the throat. Option C, kill them now. Option D, love them. No. Let's go to option E, all of the above. Lay hands, break their bones right now, then pray for them and take them to Jesus. All in one swoop. I'll be doing the work of the ministry right there. You still have these issues. You're wondering, how? what's wrong with me? I want to speak to those of you who've ever struggled, those of you who ever wonder, those of you who sometimes wrestle on the inside with ideas and thoughts. Why am I still getting depressed? Why am I still going through this? You're in the middle of it. But he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day. Wait for the day. Don't try to uproot yourself. Don't try to pull out the weed by yourself. Harvest time is coming. And when harvest time comes, he will separate the bad in your life and pull out the good. He'll put the bad in the, in, in the fire, but take the good and bring it into his barn. And I want to give you the promise and the doxology that the apostles had in Jude 24. There's this praise, this, this thing that keeps you going. It says now, everyone say now. To him who is able to keep you, to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. When you're going through it, just know that now unto him who will keep me, a righteous man falls down seven times, but he's still righteous. He falls seven times and gets back up because now unto him who is able to keep you from falling, to bring you before the throne blameless without blemish to see the glory of God he's gonna start the work in you complete the work in you and bring you to himself when it's all said and done come on if you heard something from God give God a great big praise this morning he's not done with me he's not done with me y'all with me this morning he's not done with me there's some of you who came to church this morning and you didn't know why you're showing up. For those of you who came that way, before the foundation of the world, God loved you. He set his love on you. He hid you in Christ. Today is the day that you come aware of it. And you do so by putting your trust completely in his finished work. When he saw you, he counted the cost going to be his son dying on a cross taking on your sin 
shedding his blood to forgive you of everything you did, past, present, and future. And today's your day of you saying, yes, Lord, I surrender to your will. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Relevant Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. 